It's time for this week's edition of the Virtual Bible Study. The Virtual Bible Study is a live, internet-only, call-in program dedicated to the honest study and discussion of God's Word. Do you have a question about something in the Bible? Or are you simply interested in learning more about the Scriptures? If so, we hope you'll stay tuned tonight as we look into the pages of God's Word. The Virtual Bible Study is brought to you this time each week by the College View Church of Christ in Columbia, Tennessee. You can participate in the discussion tonight by calling 931 one three eight one four five six seven or by emailing your questions or comments from collegeview.com we hope you'll take out your bibles and study along with us as we begin an exciting study of god's word on this edition of the virtual bible study and welcome to the virtual bible study we're glad you're a part of it tonight and we hope you'll stay tuned this is the virtual bible study for august 23rd we're live and we're ready to take your comments at 877-381-4567 toll free 877-381-4567 or over the email, questions at collegeview.com is the address to use. My name is Jacob Gwynn. My father, Greg Gwynn, is here. Hello, Dad. Jacob, good to be with you on Thursday night for the virtual Bible study. It is good to be with you as always, and it's good to have you on the other end of the line tonight, and we're looking forward to your participation in the program. Tonight we want to talk about a subject that is important to us, Dad. We want to talk about God's plan for our happiness here in this life. Yeah, I think it's an important subject. Uh, I understand that everybody who pursues religion, I think, does it with the idea in mind that, you know, we're preparing for the hereafter. I mean, primarily, that's what we talk about when we talk about uh, serving the Lord, that prepare for judgment, death and judgment and eternity. And absolutely, that is important. That's the ultimate. That's what we're really striving for is that we could be saved eternally in heaven. But I think something that is oftentimes overlooked is the fact that God's plan for our lives actually makes our lives richer and more fulfilling in the here and now. And so it's sort of a win-win thing. Not only if we live if we live the Christian life, not only do we have the great hope of going to heaven when we die, but I believe that we have the the plan in place if we will follow it that will make our lives the best in this current lifetime as well. Well, many people don't understand that though, dad. You know, a lot of people don't have that idea. A lot of people have the idea that if you serve God today, you will be miserable. Sure, you might have heaven when you die, but your life here on this earth is going to be miserable. People of the world, no doubt, believe that or else they'd be living the Christian life. But many people who proclaim to and profess to be Christians don't understand that either. And I know that because of the way that they live. Yeah, they're Christians. There are people who call themselves Christians, but they they act miserable and depressed and discouraged, and and uh, they they're all the time seeking some medication or some other means to you know get rid of the misery and the anxiety and the discouragements of their life. Uh, I don't believe God wants us to live that way. I think He wants us to live a happy, fulfilled life, and I I believe His plan can achieve that. But so many times we see Christians who look at God's word as if it's some type of uh, chain around their neck that it keeps them from having a fulfilling life and so they don't want to look to god's word they're afraid they might find something in it that they'd have to comply with and when they find instructions from god they will do them but they're not happy about them we've got to change our attitude if we want to be pleasing to god i believe that's right you know jacob the thing that kind of spurred us to think about this topic for a discussion tonight and by the way we want to get our listeners to participate Earlier today to our uh, uh, mailing list, we sent out a couple of poll questions, and we've had several responses. We'd like to get some more from those who are listening live. We sent out the questions, and this is sort of the the route that we want to follow in our discussion tonight. Question one, um, what do you think is the best example of something that God expects or commands us to do that actually results in our happiness and fulfillment during this present life? In other words, given what do you think is the best example? There are lots of examples, I believe, but what do you think is the best example of something God wants you to do, he told you to do it, he commanded you to do it, but actually when you end up doing it, it works out great. It's the way it should be. Your life is better or happier for it. That's the first question. And the second question is, in your opinion, what's the most classic example of something that violates God's will? In other words, you do it, and God said don't do it, and you do it anyway. Something that violates God's will and also then leads to devastating results in our life here and now. So we're looking for both sides of that coin, Jacob. What what, what does God tell us to do? And when we do it, it works well. What, what do people often do violating God's will and it brings devastation to their life? 877-381-4567. Questions at collegeview.com are the ways you can participate with those questions. 
or you can join in with any question or comment you might have on the subject tonight. Jacob, uh, the, uh, the thing that kind of got us thinking along this line and thought it might be a worthy discussion is that there was an article recently in, uh, I'm looking at the source here, I guess this is uh, from the Seattle Times, MSN Health and Fitness Newsletter, MSN Health and Fitness Newsletter. Uh, it says, uh, few of us are immune to the frustrations and challenges of daily life, family problems, conflicts at work, illness, stress over money. When we get depressed or anxious, experts may recommend pharmaceuticals or therapy, but a newly emerging school of thought suggests that a simple age-old principle may be part of both the prevention and the cure. That is, you get busy helping others to help yourself. Uh, the article goes on to say there is no shortage of research showing that people who give time, money, or support to others are more likely to be happy and satisfied with their lives and less likely to be depressed. Could helping others be the key to weathering the inevitable storms of life? Um, so, in other words, the, these researchers are acting like they've come up with some new discovery here that if we get busy serving others, that it, it actually enriches our life. Uh, our, our argument is going to be the Bible's been saying that for centuries, but they act like they've just stumbled upon this. Um, the, it goes on to specify the research. Carolyn Schwartz, a research professor at the University of Massachusetts Medical, Medical School, didn't start out looking at the value of helping others. Instead, she wanted to see if receiving monthly peer support phone calls from fellow multiple sclerosis sufferers would benefit others with the disease. But over time, a surprising trend emerged. While those receiving support appeared to gain some mild benefit, the real beneficiaries were those lending a supportive ear. In fact, those who offered support experienced dramatic improvements in their quality of life, several times more so than those that they were helping. Uh, the benefits aren't limited to those who are ill. Schwartz later looked at more than 2,000 mostly healthy Presbyterian churchgoers across the nation. She found that those who helped others were significantly happier and less depressed than those who didn't. Um, uh, it refers to some research data collected back uh, in the 1930s. Uh, those who volunteered and engaged in other forms of giving when they were adolescents were much less likely to become depressed even as they got older. Now, it's, it's always amusing to me when, when these researchers, and no telling how many thousands of dollars they spend in the course of doing their research, they act like they've come upon some great new truth when actually we could have told them the Bible has been saying that sort of thing for a long, long time. It's not news, and it's not new. And God's Word has always been suggesting that those kind of things are beneficial to us. It's a part of His plan for our happiness. Exactly right. Luke chapter 9, verse 48, other passages we could give. that Jesus said unto them, He that is least among you all, the same shall be great. Jesus assumed that least position here on the earth and demonstrated it by washing his disciples' feet. And the instruction for us is to do the same, Dad, because we will find happiness in serving others. We'll never find it and never find true lasting happiness in serving ourselves like our society tells us, but instead serving others. This article, Jacob, goes on. I agree with you, of course. And, and the article goes on. I, I thought this was... Very telling. The article goes on to try to offer some naturalistic explanation. In other words, it couldn't be that this is this has a spiritual aspect to it, and it's a, it's a, a moral truth that that confirms God's uh, revealed will. Instead, these researchers go on to say, "quote As Darwin noted, group selection played a strong role in human evolution. If something like helping benefits the group, it will be associated with pleasure and happiness." Um, then evolution may have primed us to feel good from giving. It may not be the only reason helping others makes us feel better. Uh, depression, anxiety, and stress involve a high degree of focus on self. Focusing on the needs of others literally helps shift our thinking. But uh, 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 while the, the research article was interesting, I thought probably what was sad about it is they had to try to figure out how this has some evolutionary link that our that our evolutionary background has sort of conditioned us to be this way, that when we help others, it makes us feel better. Uh, uh, I, I, obviously, they're not going to credit these truths with God and the way he designed us, so they have to, have to say that it came from our evolutionary past. Well, they're also saying it doesn't make sense 
that uh, helping others would help you help yourself. And it certainly doesn't make sense from a physical perspective, but through God and his instructions, we understand that it is for our best interest. And uh, they have a little bit of trouble explaining it there, but we understand uh, the principles that God has told us. Actually, although they were trying to say that there's some evolutionary tie in there, I would actually think this is counter to the theory of evolution. The theory of evolution says if you've got a, a weak or sick one, that one should die off. Nobody should help it. It should go away. This this one should go away and let the healthy survive. Uh, and so actually what the research is, is showing is counter to the theory of evolution, but they can't acknowledge that. Obviously. Let us know your thoughts at 877-381-4567, questions at collegeview.com. But what we say about that article, Dad, is that it illustrates our point tonight, and that is God's instructions are for our good. People don't see them that way. People look at God's instructions as being a burden, but God has told us his instructions are for our good. In Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse 24, the Lord commanded us to do all these statutes, to fear the Lord our God for our good always, that he might preserve us alive as it is at this day. You know, if we believe that we have a loving God, Dad, who wants the best for us, certainly he would give us instructions that are for our best inter- in our best interest and for our good always, as he did in the Old Testament. We believe the same is true for us in the New Testament era as well. That's right. I think that's really a powerful verse that every every person who's a believer in God and a student of the Bible should remember. Deuteronomy six twenty four, God's commands are for our good always. You know, some people have this mistaken view of God, and you alluded to it earlier, Jacob, that he he put a, a plan in place that's guaranteed to make us miserable and unhappy, uh, have just a, a very horrible experience while in this life if we can hang on and eke it out if we can just grit our teeth and survive it maybe we can go to heaven when it's over but this life is going to be miserable and that's sort of the way god planned it and that is absolutely false god planned his will for our happiness and fulfillment is for our good always and that's true uh for eternity but it's true here and now and that's the thing that we're trying to emphasize in our study tonight let us know your thoughts, 877-381-4567, questions at collegeu.com. God's instructions are for our good always. We want to know from you, what are some of those instructions then that you see as being beneficial to us here in this life? Let me give those questions again, Jacob. Uh, we're looking for a response to these kinds of questions tonight. Number one, what do you think is the best example of something that God told us to do that when we do it actually works out to our happiness, fulfillment, makes our life better here and now? That's one question. The second question is sort of the opposite, the counter to that. Give an example, maybe the best example you can think of, of something that people do. God said you shouldn't do it, but people go ahead and do it. And when they do it, they bring all kind of misery and suffering and unhappiness into their life. What's an example of that? So if you have not already responded to those questions, send us an email now or the phone line is open. Jacob, that number? 877-381-4567. Or send that email to questions at collegeview.com. Along those lines, Don in Nashville asking us, uh, we ask, what is the best example of something that God expects and commands us to do that actually results in our happiness and fulfillment in this present life? Don says, that is to remain faithful and resist temptations that come our way and be willing to make enemies with those that would try to pull us to the unrighteous side. So just sort of a, Don's response is sort of a general one. I would certainly agree with what he says. We've got to be faithful and and we've got to resist temptations. In other words, we've got to live the way that God told us to live. There are going to be people who are trying to get us to do otherwise. The world, the world is full of people who are doing otherwise. It's only a minority of people, and I think a, 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 an increasingly small minority of people who are making any effort at all to try to live the way that God would have us to live. So there are going to be plenty of people trying to pull us the other way. There are going to be people trying to convince us that God's plan doesn't work, but it does work, and we've got to we've got to remain faithful. Now, Don goes on to say, Jacob, that the answer to the second question there, the, the, the example of bringing misery into your life is by compromising our faith and trying to be all things to all people. That will destroy us. Uh, we have to resist evil and stand strong in our faith uh, uh, to God. There's no gray area in between. I think Don's right. Let's take a break. Thank you, Don, for your participation tonight. 877-381-4567. Questions at collegeview.com. Don't go anywhere. We'll be right back after this. Enjoying the virtual Bible study? Email a friend during this break and tell them to join in on the discussion. There's more exciting Bible study after this commercial. 
Hello, everyone. I'm Wade Shelton, a member of the College View Church of Christ. If you're like me, you've probably heard a lot of rumors about what the Church of Christ is all about. But regardless of what the rumors you may have heard, let me just quickly tell you what we are about. The College View Church of Christ is simply a group of Christians that is committed to doing everything that God has commanded us in exactly the way that he commanded us to do it. So we just simply open our Bibles and study them to determine what God has commanded us to do, and then we try to do it. It's just really that simple. Are you interested in being part of a group of people who have this approach to serving God? If so, I hope you will join me and my family as we worship God with the College View Church of Christ this Sunday at 9.30 a.m. Hi, my name is Mike Holt. My wife and I, we love listening to the virtual Bible study. For he hath said, I will never leave thee, nor forsake thee, so that we may boldly say, The Lord is my helper, and I will not fear what man shall do unto me. Hebrews 13, verses 5 and 6. The virtual Bible study continues. And welcome back. Thank you for joining us again tonight as we talk about God's instructions for us. We believe God's instructions are for our good always. Deuteronomy 6, verse 24. And we want to know from you tonight, what are some of those instructions that you think are beneficial to us here and now? Not only will obeying those instructions uh, cause us to be pleasing to God and give us the possibility for receiving the blessing of heaven when we die, won't earn our salvation, won't earn heaven, but it'll allow us to be pleasing to God where we can uh, enjoy heaven with him for an eternity. So that's a positive thing, but it also has benefits to us in our life. We want to know those thoughts from you tonight on the program. You know, uh, an old expression that's been around for a long time, people talk about going to heaven as being pie in the sky. In other words, that's that's the ultimate. That's the thing. And a lot of, a lot of times I think people imagine that's the only benefit of living the Christian life is to go to heaven. But it's it, there's more than that. And, you know, Paul even said to Timothy uh, that uh, – let me look that up. Uh, in First uh, Timothy chapter 4 – Verse 8, he says, bodily exercise profitable little, but godliness is profitable unto all things, having promise of the life that now is and of that which is to come. So Paul said to Timothy that godliness is not only for the life which is to come, but the life that now is. Paul said it's a win-win for us. We have the best life here and the best life now, and so that it's really foolish for us to be ignoring any of God's commandments because they're for our good. Jacob, we've got an email, and I'm not sure who this correspondent is. I've got the address, but I can't make out from the email address who this correspondent is. But the, their answer was also a rather general one. Uh, what does God tell us to do that helps us be happy? Study and pray. Well, I think that's true, because by studying, we find out what God's plan is and what are the things that we should be doing. So uh, that would definitely be true. Prayer, of course, is a great blessing to those who have a relationship with God and and uh, brings great consolation and help and comfort uh, as we live our lives. On the other side of the coin, this correspondent says, you want to bring misery into your life? Put something before God. Uh, This ranges from material things to the many addictions that are prevalent today. Put something before God. God wants to be first in our life. If we don't put him first in our life, if we let something else have that position, then we're going to bring misery into our life. I think I would agree with that assessment. So we thank that correspondent for the message send your email in now we want to still hear from you we've got several people responding we want to hear from you what do you think uh is a is a a good example of something god says that's for our good on the other hand what do people do that god says don't do that brings misery to their life all right Uh, jim in somerset kentucky says that first peter chapter 3 verses 8 through 12 is a good list of things that we know will result in our happiness if we do them because in verse 10 he says he that will love life it doesn't get much better than that but if you notice the things that are listed among the beatitudes and similar passages they all have one thing in common righteousness i think the point that is gained from this is if we want to be truly happy we need to understand that we were created to serve god So it logically and scripturally follows that we will be happiest when we are doing those things we were created to do, that is, serving God. I also like Romans 12, verses 1 and 2, because it helps to illustrate why serving God can give us happiness, because after the point made in verse 1, that presenting ourselves as a living sacrifice is our reasonable service, verse 2 says that to be transformed by the renewing of our mind. So my point is that there is no happiness that lasts other than that what comes from like from living like Jesus and becoming like him. So appreciate Jim for those comments. Uh, Excellent, excellent points. I think Jim's right. You know, if, if you were to design a machine, Jacob, and you, you designed it to do, I mean, you designed it for a purpose. 
Well, if if it's working right and if all the parts are fitting together and if all the pulleys and wheels and gears are meshing accurately and correctly and it's doing it's it's a real smooth operation and uh, there's very little wear and tear and uh, it, it functions nicely. But let one part of that get out of phase. Let one part of that get jammed up or do something wrong to one, and it it just, it can literally destroy the whole machine. Uh the, the the machine works best when it works the way its designer intended it to. Now, that would be true of an inanimate machine. But you can take that application. I think that's what Jim is saying here in his email. You can take that application and apply it to our lives. When we do what we're designed to do and when we're fulfilling the function that God intended us to fulfill, then everything's smooth it, and it's happy. Everything goes along well. Minimal stress, minimal wear and tear. But... but uh, that one part of that get violated and we got trouble. You know, to think that God's instructions are for our misery, as many people apparently do, would be to say that God created us and knew what was best for us. Yet, he sent his Bible, the Word of God, down here to the earth and gave us instructions to make us miserable. Does that line up with our view of what God is all about? That God would make instructions. He knew what was best for you, but he made gave you instructions that were just the opposite of that. Yeah, Certainly that, couldn't be uh, what God is all about. Yeah, you know, that'd be the equivalent. Yeah, I go out here and buy uh, buy a brand new car, spend forty thousand dollars for a brand new car, and when I get it home, I'm looking at the owner's manual, and the owner's manual tells me the kind of oil to put in the engine, for instance, and I say, you know. I don't think that's right. I don't think that. Uh, I like water in my I, I, engine a whole water, lot better than oil. Water will work better, and and I'm going to substitute that. I'm going to do something different than the designer intended because I believe it'll work out. Now, when you do something different than the designer intended, you just ruined the whole thing. And and that's I just believe there's a real application of that notion. I think Jim in Somerset is on the mark there with his comment. You know, the devil wants us to believe, though, that God's instructions aren't for our best interest, and he presents that temptation to us all the time. But it is no surprise it's the temptation he's always used back to the Garden of Eden. God gave Adam and Eve instructions that if they had followed the instructions that God had give them, given them, they would be better off for it. But what does the devil come along and do? He says, God didn't tell you the right thing to do. Do what I want you to do, and you'll be better off for it. And we see the result of that. Yeah, the very first temptation and sin resulted from somebody buying into the idea that God's what God said wasn't wasn't really right and that there was a different way to approach it that would work better. And look at all the trouble that's followed. Exactly right. What are your thoughts? 877-381-4567. Questions at collegeview.com. Take a minute and join in on the discussion tonight. Uh, Jim goes on to answer the second question, Jacob. He says, what's something that brings misery in violation to God's Violate God's will, bring misery in your life? He says, ignorance. We use this word today and equate it with being low intelligence or dense, but that's not what I mean. God has told us that ignorance, not knowing his will, is unacceptable, Acts 17, verse 30. However, many today are ignorant of the scriptures as evidenced by their shock when they are confronted with them. In fact, I was studying with a young man a few weeks ago and pointed out that the Bible taught, uh, what the Bible taught concerning several subjects, and his response was, I didn't know the Bible said that. And while we obviously should not expect those young in the faith to have the same knowledge as seasoned veterans, I think it's reasonable to expect that we all have the desire to become seasoned and competent in handling the scriptures the consequences here and now are varied, but generally speaking, ignorance leads otherwise good people to make bad decisions, and bad decisions ruin marriages, ruin lives, and even cost us our souls. Uh, so uh, Jim Jim is saying, here's sort of both sides of his answer, Jacob. For our happiness, do what God says. If you want to have misery, don't even become familiar or knowledgeable with what God says we should be doing. And, and you know, you don't follow the rules, you're sure to end up in a disaster. Yeah, it's logical, and appreciate Jim for making that point. If we believe God's instructions are for our best interest, why would we not want to know those instructions? Same thing, Dad, when we buy a new car, we want to know what the owner's manual says. We read that owner's manual, not necessarily exciting reading, but we read it because we want to know what we're supposed to be doing. Why wouldn't we read the owner man, owner's manual for our life to know what we're supposed to be doing? You know, we we would think that a person who spent... The kind of money that it takes to buy a new car today, he spends that kind of money but takes no precaution to try and understand how to keep it in top shape. Why would a, why would a person be so foolish as to invest that kind of money and then not carefully 
read and become aware of the things needed to keep that car in good condition. Well, our souls are much more valuable than that car, no matter how expensive it is. And yet people are just bumbling along in ignorance, as Jim said, not even trying to become familiar with what the designer intended for our lives. What are your thoughts? 877-381-4567. Questions at collegeview.com. Thank you, Jim, for those good comments tonight. We got another email, Jacob, and this one comes from um, from Roger in London, Kentucky. Uh, and Roger, uh, we're glad that you've participated in the Bible study tonight. Glad to hear from you again. Uh, he says, and his is rather long. He's got a lot of scriptures. I don't think we'll have time to read all of the scriptures that that uh, Roger has supplied for us. But um, the first part of his answer is. Uh, what do you think is a good example of something God specs, expects us to do that actually results in our happiness? He says, learning to have respect for Jesus's authority for attitudes govern actions without respect for authority. Obedience will never occur. So what did God tell us to do? Respect his authority. And and then when we do that, then we end up being obedient uh, to all that he wants us to do. So he says the, the, the thing that the, the guiding principle, and again, this is, this is sort of a general response, but I agree that he's right. If, if we develop an innate respect for the authority of God, then we, we will naturally be obedient to the things he tells us to do. And so that's something that, that uh, is necessary. He has a passage here that is a good one along these lines. Proverbs 1, verse 7, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, but fools despise wisdom and instructions. Why do fools despise wisdom and instruction? Because God gave them instructions on how to prevent all kinds of misery in their lives. Yet fools despise that instruction, and too many people in this world are fools when it comes to God's word. That's right. Uh, and he also references Deuteronomy 6.24 that we talked about earlier. God's commands are for our good always. Now, on the other side of that coin, we're asking what would bring, what's a classic example of violating God's will leading to devastating results? And I, I haven't thought about approaching it the way that Roger does here, but he says uh, that the uh, all those who died in the flood is an obvious example of people violating God's will and bringing devastating results. Uh, well, you know, that's certainly true. All the people in Noah's day, with the exception of Noah's wife, his three sons and their wives, eight people, all except eight people suffered destruction in the flood because they wouldn't submit to the authority of God and live their lives in harmony with his will. So that's a that's a, a great example. Um, you know, uh, the people who think that God is is somehow incapable of punishing those who are disobedient are absolutely ignoring the the point that uh, Roger makes there, and that is that how God punished the entire world in the day of Noah, and all who were disobedient, uh, with the exception of Noah and his family, were destroyed. If if God could do it then, he can do it again. He says he will. That's right, and uh, Roger wants us to remember that modern-day humanity is no less evil than humanity was back in those times in the destruction of uh, Noah, uh, the, the world, Noah's day, and certainly there was evil going on now. There is evil going on today as well. Hopefully not as bad as uh, what was going on then, but no doubt uh, probably is. Romans 3.23, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. So we all have made mistakes. We've all been foolish in our lives. You know, some, sometimes I think we try to use this as an excuse. We live in a real wicked time, and therefore... It's not necessarily right, but it's understandable that we're going to do things wrong because we live in such a wicked world. Well, the world is not as wicked as it was in Noah's day, and Noah still was able to find grace in the eyes of the Lord, and therefore he stands as an example to us that we can do right in the face of great wickedness, and we have to if we're going to please the Lord. All right, let's take another break, 877-381-4567, questions at collegeview.com. We're looking forward to your participation tonight. What do you think is an example of something that God expects us to do that actually results in our happiness and fulfillment during this present life? And on the other side of that coin, what is a classic example of something that violates God's will and also makes us miserable here? Let us know your thoughts. Stay tuned. The virtual Bible study continues on the other side of these breaks. Did you hear what they just said? Call in during this break and let everyone know what you think. The virtual Bible study continues after this announcement. Hello, everyone. 
I'm Britt Haynes. I'm a member of the College View Church of Christ. A lot of people in the religious world today tell us that as long as our heart is right and we truly love God, we can do whatever we want in our service to Him. They say that what we do doesn't matter because God is only interested in our heart. I believe they have it all wrong. True, God is interested in our hearts, but He's also interested in our actions. One reason why is because our actions describe the true condition of our heart. This is what Jesus taught in Matthew 12, verse 34, when he said, For out of the abundance of the heart the mouth speaketh. So I believe that if we are doing whatever we want to in our service and are not serving God exactly like he has asked, then our heart is not right before God. The members of the College View Church of Christ are committed to making sure that both our hearts and our actions are pleasing to God. If you're interested in doing the same, we encourage you to join us for worship this Sunday morning at 9.30 a.m. I'm James Buchanan from Columbia, Tennessee, and I love to listen to the Virtual Bible Study. Use your Internet connection for something good. Listen to the Virtual Bible Study every week. Now, back to the program. Welcome back. Thank you for staying with us tonight as we talk about God's instructions for our good, God's plan for happiness in our life here and now. Again, let us know your thoughts. 877-381-4567. We'll pay the bill tonight. 877-381-4567. Or email us, questions at collegeview.com. We're looking forward to your discussion. we still got those questions out there, and we'd like to get your feedback. We've got several more we want responses we want to get to, but we'd like to get to yours, too. Uh, question one, give us an example of something God said do, and when you do it. It works out great, and your life is happier. And then on the flip side, something God said don't do, and if you dare to do it, it will bring misery in your life, and there are plenty of examples of that. What do you think is a classic example of that sort of thing? That's what we're looking for tonight. We got an email from Debbie, Jacob, who says in response to the first question, I'd say doing for others can be the most rewarding and fulfilling, especially when we are doing it with the right attitude and motivation. Many times when looking out for others and doing for them, we realize how blessed we are and that we don't have things as bad as we thought we did. You know, Debbie's uh, Debbie's response there, Jacob, is right in line with that research that we were referring to earlier in the program. And I bet Debbie didn't spend a million dollars trying to figure that out. I think that's right. You know, uh, you, you don't have to be a, a high-powered university researcher to come to that conclusion. But... Our, you do have to invest some time, and I bet Debbie spent some time to prove the theory that she understands that God's will is uh, is the best way there. I think that's right. God's will says it. Our own experience bears it out, and now some uh, university uh, researchers have come to the same conclusion. Amazingly, although they try to, to they want to try to explain it in terms of evolutionary theory, which I think is a crazy approach. But we'll explain it from the from the aspect of what god has said for centuries in his word and it's true and it keeps being confirmed again and again and uh so i think debbie is right on with with, with her uh, uh point there now she says on the flip side what what does god say don't do and if you do it it brings misery she said i'd say adultery fornication brings such sorrow grief and unhappiness not only to those caught up in it but to their families friends and fellow christians and I'd, I'd sadly have to agree that I think that's a classic example. And unfortunately, and it seems like it's on the increase, we've all known too many people who've gone that route and they they have come face to face with the grief and the and the heartache and the misery uh, that Debbie mentions in, in, in her uh, brief comment. Uh, I would agree that that is a classic example. You know, in the face of those temptations, people need to be aware of the fact that they're just inviting all kinds. You know, in other words, they're faced with the temptation of sexual immorality. They need to realize that they're inviting all kinds of trouble and heartache and unhappiness. This is not the route to happiness. This is just going to bring all kind of misery into your life. God's Word said that. God's Word tells us to avoid fornication. Uh, but those who will not take him at his word and who are determined to live for the moment and for that uh, sexual gratification and need to be aware uh, the trouble that they're bringing. Paul said to Timothy, a young man, he said, flee also youthful lust, but follow righteousness, faith, charity, peace with them that call on the Lord out of a pure heart. Second Timothy 2, verse 22. Um, so I, I think Debbie's email, Jacob, is right on. So the thing we're talking about tonight, then, is we're talking about God's instructions are for our good. The flip side of that, and uh, 
the point that we're making by default then is that when we don't via we don't follow God's will, when we violate that will, we're doing ourselves harm and damage. And so when the, the Satan presents us with a temptation, we need to understand that if we follow Satan, we will pay the price as a result. That's right. And, and uh, again, personal experience, uh, uh, not necessarily that we have uh, we have ourselves experienced that, but we've seen others who have our own our own life's experience, uh, situations we've seen develop. Uh, certainly bears out that that's true. So I think and that, how many examples in the Old Testament do we have to look at before we realize that that's the case? Well, look at the classic example of King David and committing fornication with Bathsheba and all the trouble it brought into his family life. Uh, certainly true. So I think I think Debbie's email is on the mark. 877-381-4567, questions at collegeu.com. Thank you, Debbie, for your comments tonight. Carolyn has emailed in. And her response to the first question is, I think anything that demonstrates God or Christ's love is an example. I do not think we can pick out one example as the best unless it is the teaching of the gospel and bearing fruit. God and Christ were the first example of ultimate love, the total giving of himself to redeem us from our sins. No work of man could ever do what Christ did. Still, he taught us in his word that what it meant for us to express our love, and that is to love our neighbor as ourselves. Doing unto others as we'd have them to do to us, that is love. When one exhibits love as Christ would have us to do, that should give us the most fulfilling love. If we do not love our neighbor, then how can we love God? Joey comes to us in showing the love of Christ. And she quotes Mark 9, verse 41, For whosoever shall give you a cup of water to drink because ye are Christ, verily I say unto you, he shall in no wise lose his reward. If Christ is in our hearts, then we'll be about doing God's will. Isn't that what Jesus was all about? I think Carolyn's answer is sort of like what we've been saying right along. This is sort of a general answer, but she also gets into that aspect of serving others, loving our neighbor as ourself. You know, uh, the scriptures have clearly pointed out that self-centeredness, when we look only to our own interest, when we selfishly serve ourselves. Uh, we're just asking for misery. And so uh, she she holds out the example of Christ who made the ultimate sacrifice of himself. Uh, and and that, I think, is a worth, obviously worthy example that we should imitate. So uh, I, I would agree with Carolyn's uh, analysis there that we have to uh, love others, serve others, be in that business and not be selfishly motivated. Now, on the second part of the question, Carolyn has gone on to say, "What's what will, will bring misery in your life? Any deliberate, premeditated sin going against his will can be devastating mentally, if not physically. Uh, I think she's right. And she goes on to talk about uh, uh, a personal experience in, in her own life. Uh, she said, I committed a dreadful sin many years ago, although I thought at the time that it was not a sin. Since being convicted of this sin, I still suffer the mental pain, though I know God has forgiven me. You know, there's a, there's a point there that I need, think needs to be stressed, Jacob, and that's the fact that sin bears consequences. Even sometimes we continue to live with the consequence of sin if we've been able to obtain forgiveness of it. You know, forgiveness does not necessarily remove all the consequences of sin, and one of those consequences is the, the horrible memory of the things that we've done. You know, the Apostle Paul, in his writings, seemed to never forget uh, all the terrible things he had done as a persecutor of the church. He was an apostle of Jesus Christ at this point, but in 1 Timothy chapter 1, uh, verse 13, he says, uh, I was a blasphemer and a persecutor and injurious, but I obtained mercy because I did it ignorantly in unbelief, and the grace of our Lord was exceeding abundant with faith and love which is in Christ Jesus. This is a faithful saying and worthy of all acceptation that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinner, of whom I am chief. So Paul never forgot the horrible sins that he forget uh, that he had committed, although he'd been forgiven of them. And I think that uh, uh, Carolyn's email is correct when you know she says that we can be forgiven, but we may still have the the some some of the aftermath. Yeah, but I don't think that Paul was uh, wallowing around in his uh, sorrow over those sins. I think he understood the forgiveness. He talks all the time about it, the grace and mercy that had been sure, shown to him. Sure. And so we need to understand that we'll have the consequences here in this life. But we always need to understand that God has forgiven us and shouldn't allow that to, uh, I guess, bring us down into depression when we think about the things we've done in the past. Yeah, Carolyn's email goes on to say, uh, ignoring God's will and living selfishly will eventually result in our devastation. 
she says there are plenty of examples of popular entertainers and other celebrities. Uh, I think that's right. We seem like that's in the news a lot about celebrities who are living uh, horribly immoral lives and suffering bad consequences for it. But she says uh, it, it happens with lesser folks also. Uh, so I think she's right. All right. That's that is true. You know, you look at the people who who indulge themselves in whatever they want and uh, the entertainers in our society are a prime example. We don't see happiness there. And those people who are indulging themselves, doing whatever they want to do, there's not true happiness there. We see true happiness in those who are submitting to God, serving others and doing his will. And so we need to learn from the example of those who are around us. We appreciate Carolyn for her thoughts tonight. Eight seven seven. Three eight one four five six seven is the e- uh, is the telephone number to use. Questions at collegeview.com is the email address. Join in on this important discussion tonight, Dad. If we don't understand these concepts, that God's instructions are for our good, and that by doing them will give us the best life here and the best life in eternity. If we don't understand that and grasp that, it's going to be so easy for Satan to be successful in causing us to fall. That's exactly right, and and. If we're wise, we will pay attention to those truths and, uh, and and make application in our daily living. All right. Got an email coming in from Keith in Lynchburg, Tennessee. Keith, we're glad you're listening to the virtual Bible study tonight. Uh, he says, I believe false religion and liberal brethren are the things God is very displeased with. Well, I'd certainly agree with that, that, uh, you know, uh, those who if false religion basically describes those who are not they're they're claiming to serve god but won't won't do it the way he said in other words they're not following his plan they're not submitting to his authority we had an earlier comment about the importance of submitting to his authority so that would certainly be true those who take a liberal approach to thing uh, uh, liberals are those who are not carefully following the book chapter and verse and the authority of the scriptures god is displeased with those i think there's no doubt about that in in matthew chapter 15 and uh, verses 8 and 9 says, This people draweth nigh to me with their mouth, and honoreth me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. In vain they do worship me, teaching for doctrines the commandments of men. So that approach is certainly not pleasing to God and will not bring. I, th- I think probably the point uh, to stress about Keith's email is these people are going to miss out on eternity. They're worshiping God in vain. You know, they may be self-deluded into the fact that they they think they're okay and maybe even imagine themselves to be happy doing what they're doing, but now they're going to miss the ultimate reward. You know, I think uh, 2 Timothy chapter 3 gives a good picture of what Keith is referencing there. It says, This know also that in the last days perilous times shall come, for men shall be lovers of their own selves, covetous, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy, without natural affection, truce breakers, false accusers, incontinent, fierce, despisers of those that are good, Traitors, heady, high-minded, lovers of pleasure more than lovers of God, having a form of godliness but denying the power thereof from such turn away. Doesn't that sound like an uh, illustration, Dad, and a description of the people we're talking about tonight who deny the power of God, the gospel of Christ? They deny that and seek out their own ways, do what they want to do, and we should be careful of those kind of people. Exactly right. And it talks about these people are religious. They have a form of godliness. And these these liberal, false-teaching uh, people have a form of godliness, but they're following their own will instead of the will of God. Thanks for your email, Keith. We appreciate it. Thanks for listening to the Virtual Bible Study. All right. 877-381-4567. Questions at collegeview.com. We're going to go to the top of the hour right after this break, hopefully with your questions and comments as we talk about God's plan for our happiness in this life. Stay tuned. The Virtual Bible Study continues right after this. These guys are doing all of the talking. We need to hear from you. Call in now. The virtual Bible study continues right after this. I'm Tom Goodall, a member of College View Church of Christ. Do you have a question about what has been said on the virtual Bible study tonight? Perhaps you disagree with something that was said, or would just like more information about what you've heard. If so, we'd love to hear from you. Please contact us with any questions or comments that you might have. Email us at questions at collegeview.com, and we can discuss any of your questions or comments with you privately or over email. Or if you would like to speak with someone in person, call us at 931-381-4567. Our promise to you is that we'll do our very best to give you a Bible answer for anything that we do or teach, and that we will do so in a loving manner. 
So if you have any questions or comments about our program tonight or any Bible subject, email us at questions at collegeview.com or call 931-381-4567. Thanks for listening to tonight's virtual Bible study, and we hope to hear from you soon. Hello, this is Preston Jackson from Valdosta, Georgia, and you're listening to the virtual Bible study. We're waiting to hear from you. Call in right now and join in on the virtual Bible study. Now back to the program. Welcome back to the virtual Bible study tonight. I want to remind you this program is brought to you by the College View Church of Christ in Columbia, Tennessee. Find out more about us on our website, collegeview.com. Call us anytime at 877-381-4567. If you have any questions about what it is we stand for, what we believe and practice at the College View Church of Christ. We're interested in studying the Bible with you tonight and talking about God's instructions. You know, Dad, this is a very broad and general discussion tonight about God's will for us. And the point that we're trying to make is that when we follow God, we're blessed here and we're blessed in eternity. When we disobey God, we are punished here and potentially punished for an eternity as well. Exactly right. So uh, I really think that the statement we read earlier when Paul told Timothy that godliness has uh, profit not only in uh, this world, uh, the world to come, but the world that now is. That's First uh, Timothy 4 verse 8. That godliness is profitable into all things, having promise of the life that now is and of that which is to come. I think that's really an important principle. Christians ought to really latch on to that and realize that God's plan is best for us, not only for eternity, but for here and now. You know, I was well. teaching a, young, a, peop, a group of young people not too long ago talking about God's will for us. And I was trying to get them to the point, Dad, where they would admit that God's instructions for us here and now are for our good. And they kept wanting to go back to, I said, well, what if we do all these things? And they said, well, we can go to heaven when we die. We can go to heaven when we die. I said, well, what else? And they they, they just were stuck. We'll go to heaven when we die. And it took a lot of, of pulling it out of them to get them to realize that our instruction, God's instructions for us now are for our good here. And unfortunately, uh, young children don't understand that. But uh, unfortunately, it doesn't seem like many people grow out of that as they get older. Exactly right. Jacob, we had... Uh, uh We've gotten several emails here. I'm counting one, two, three, four, at least four of them that are all in the same vein, and I want to try to get to these. Our friend Randy in Jackson, Missouri, has written in and says a good example of something that's God's plan, works out best for us, we're happy when we follow it, is that of uh, marriage fidelity. You know, who's happier? You know, I've asked people this question. In fact, just recently I was talking to a young couple about to get married. and uh, we, were, we were talking about some things leading up to their uh, wedding and their life together. And I said, of all the people you know, think of who's happier. And now you know some people who've been divorced and remarried several times, gotten involved and had affairs. And, and then on the other hand, maybe you know some people who've been married 60 years, the same mate, married their childhood sweetheart and been married ever since. Who's had a happier life? Who's had a happier life? There's no, it's a, it's an easy question. Hands down. The person who maintained marital fidelity has been happier. And well, now is that a shock? Not really a shock since that's what God told us to do. And God's, he, God knew what would work best for us. He knew who would be happier. The one who remains faithful to their spouse throughout life is going to be happier. I think Randy's exactly right. I think, and it, I think that's a maybe a, a, a really fine example of that principle. You know, you look at the news, you see all these domestic violence cases. You never hear of a domestic violence case where uh, the husband came home from work one night and found his wife studying the Bible, so he got out the gun and shot her. You, you don't hear about that. Uh, certainly, uh, the, the, the domestic violence and all the trouble we hear about in the home comes from people failing to follow God's will. Yeah. Uh, on the flip side, Randy says, uh, what brings misery? Anytime we don't follow God's plan, we suffer for it. Examples, adultery, divorce, homosexuality, role reversal in marriage. I think Randy is right. We appreciate you, Randy, for your response. Got another email from Mindy in Jackson, Tennessee, who says, uh, I think it's hard to pinpoint one example, but I truly believe that we are following, if we are following God's plan for our lives, we will be happy, it will be happy and fulfilling. If we follow his plan for marriage, one man, one woman working for the goal of heaven together for a lifetime, his plan for children working together on raising them to be godly and making it a priority, his plan for working together in a local church, encouraging one another, being actively involved in the work and enjoying the work and brethren, our lives can be extremely happy and fulfilled. God's plan is best for us and we will do well to follow it. It's also important that we be faithful and live the life of following God's plan every day, not just on Sunday or at other convenient times for us. If we're doing that, our cup surely overflows with blessings. 
That is not saying that bad things won't happen. And at times we will be sad, but we have help and hope that people of the world don't have to cope with those hard times. I think I think these comments are on the mark, too. And I, I, I think it's interesting, again, hitting upon the theme of building our families, marriage, uh, husband and wife, parents and children, according to God's plan. I think those comments are right on. What's an example of bringing misery by violating God's will? Uh, he, uh, Mindy says the list could go on and on. Alcohol, drugs, divorce, anger and wrath, no parental leadership, forsaking the assembly. All of these are not according to God's plan and can have detrimental results. When we violate God's plan, our lives are we're just inviting misery into our lives. Frank in Indianapolis, Indiana, has commented tonight. He says that treating your wife with the same love and commitment that God treats his children, the church, this love produces a union that brings the greatest of returns to an entire lifetime. And so he says, following the pattern that God has set forth for us in our families will make us happy here in this life. And he says one of the things that we do to mess up our lives in violation of God's will is to commit adultery and the resulting divorce. Such ruins the family and the entire union, but especially destroys the life of the one who commits the adultery. And so we appreciate Frank, and we agree with him on his comments tonight. I know Frank, and he mentions down there at the bottom, Jacob, that he's been married for 60 years to his wife. He's one of those ones that I would talk about as who's happier Somebody that stayed with their mate and followed God's plan or somebody that went out and cheated and got a divorce and married another woman, cheated and got another one. Who's happier? The person who follows God's plan. That's right. Thank you, Frank, for your comments tonight. And then we've got uh, uh, an email from Paul. Uh, I'm not sure where Paul's from, but Paul's emailed in and says, uh, uh What's for our happiness? Marrying another Christian, as God would expect us to do, brings the greatest happiness. Being able to serve the Lord together, worship together, remain together is a great blessing. The family and church grow spiritually. So God's plan for our families, for our marriages, uh, follow it. We're going to be happy. I think uh, Paul is right on. And then he says, uh, bring misery by people engaging in any immoral relationship, whether it be between man and man or homosexuals, leads to devastating results and drags down the church in the community. So uh, uh, sexual uh, immorality is an example of uh, do that and be miserable. And I think Paul is on the mark with those comments. Thank you, Paul. We have time to take your questions or comments at 877-381-4567. Email them to questions at collegeu.com. Join in now. Plenty of time to take your comments. Got an email from uh, someone who wishes to remain anonymous. And it's, it's rather long, and I don't know if we can get all of this in or not, Jacob, but I'll, I'll try. Uh, this well, per- the person says you can paraphrase, so take your take liberty and paraphrase. Uh, okay. Uh, this person says, when I was six years old with a four-year-old brother and another brother on the way, my parents divorced due to my father being caught cheating. It had occurred for most of their 10-year marriage, and at that point it had been proven, even confessed. During my childhood rearing, both parents remarried and divorced again, and my father and stepfather were alcoholics and and even harsh physical abuse came from my stepfather to my mother. Fortunately, I was baptized a few months after I married. However, I carried extreme bitterness and anger into our marriage towards both my own parents and my stepparents for robbing me of my childhood and leaving me with haunting nightmares and memories. Only by seeking out God and his will with the help of my patient in-laws helped me to control the anger and bitterness. My husband and I have now been married for over 17 years. Uh, despite severe blows in our own marriage, including loss of jobs simultaneously, overwhelming debt, losing our land and home, uh, infertility, loss of one of my parents' health problems, and more than I care to share. The point of this lengthy email is that I can only humbly suggest that the most devastating results come from the very idea that our utmost goal in life is to live happily ever after at all costs. The misconception that God wants us to find happiness and never wants us to suffer in any way. Uh, it has lots of people constantly searching for worldly happiness, uh, and they divorce and remarry as though trial and error will eventually hit on the right person. Uh, so I, I, I like uh, what she has said here, that constantly searching for worldly happiness is the wrong approach. Uh, and she quotes Ecclesiastes 12, 13, 14, uh, Fear God and keep his commandments. This is the whole duty of man, and that's what leads to happiness and fulfillment, in my opinion. I appreciate those comments. I do appreciate those comments. And as this uh, emailer has suggested, Dad, 
that uh, even with all of the other heartaches that could come our way, there will not be any greater heartaches than uh, the punishment that will come our way as we fail to live as God would have us to live, all the, the grief that we'll have to suffer as a result of that. Okay, 877-381-4567, questions at collegeu.com. Brad in Athens, Alabama, has told us uh, the answer to the first question. Now, godliness with contentment is great gain. First Timothy 6, verse 6. How much less stress and even crime would there be if, in this life if we could learn to be godly and content? Our lives would be simpler if, not, were, if we were not always chasing possessions. So much crime is rooted in greed. First Timothy 6, verse 10. A part of godliness is the difference to uh, care for others, deference to and to care for others, but it is hard to per, uh, perceive what others need, much less do anything about it when I constantly focus on what I want. And so Brad makes excellent comments there. I didn't read them quite as well as he made them, but uh, the comment is, Dad, that we need to be content in this life and that we'll find happiness and contentment will never find happiness in trying to achieve more and more physical possessions. Jesus said in Luke 12, verse 15, Take heed and beware of covetousness, for a man's life consisteth not in the abundance of things which he possesseth. Uh, most men think that's where you get happiness, in the things that you possess. Jesus said that's not the way to find happiness. Godliness with contentment is great gain. And so uh, if we'll follow that instruction, the world will tell us that we need to get more and more stuff God tells us if we'll be content, we'll be happy. And you look at the people who are happy, Dad. We look at uh, some people who have very little in this life, and they have very few physical possessions, and they're some of the happiest people that you can meet. Certainly a testament to God's instruction there that godliness with contentment is great gain. Exactly right. He goes on and gives us an example of something that violates God's will and also leads to devastating results. And uh, we haven't had this one before, Dad, on our our answer so far tonight. He says murder. It almost always... In, it almost inevitably leads to consequences either of justice under the law or a retribution by the hand of a friend or family member or the victim. Um, and so uh, that is an extreme example, I guess. Yeah, yeah. And uh, hopefully uh, Brad's then, not uh, going to be tempted with but that. But then Brad goes on to says a close second and third in no particular drunkenness, which brings death, disease, and dissipation, and illicit sex, bringing disease and unwanted pregnancy. You know, I, 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 I I had thought that more people would mention drunkenness as an example of doing something God says don't do and look at the look at the devastation it brings in your life. I think that's a classic example. And it's an example well, of how Satan presents his temptations that God doesn't always talking about. You need yeah. to have, have well, the strength. Why did God say don't go out and get drunk? Is he just trying is he just a, a celestial killjoy just trying to ruin our, our happiness? No. Because he knew you do that. It's not going to make you happy. It's going to ruin your life and make you unhappy. So I think Brad's right on. Appreciate it, Brad. Thank you, Brad, for your comments tonight. And we have an email from Stacy. And, uh, in Richmond, Virginia. In Richmond, Virginia. That's right. Uh, the example of instruction from God that is for our best interest, humility. Blessed are the poor in spirit. The proud man is always in a struggle, but God gives grace to the humble. Hadn't thought about that, but that's an excellent point. Well, this goes along the lines of some earlier comments that we read where people were saying uh, respect for his authority, submission to his will, just the general idea of I love God, I'm committed to doing his will, and I'm just humble enough that I will do what he tells me to do, and I won't argue the point, and I won't try to uh, skirt around it or find loopholes. I'm just going to do what God says. That kind of humility of spirit is what's necessary if we're going to have happy and fulfilling lives. An example of instruction that people violate that causes pain in their lives, fornication and adultery leads to bitterness, jealousy, anger, distress, unhappiness, family turmoil, abortion, murder, suicide, disease, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So certainly... Uh, you know, these when we violate the instructions of God, Dad, the the problems are just going to come. Yeah. Well, we had a lot of feedback, Jacob, tonight on our questions, and I think it's clear that it's a point that needs to be stressed. God's will is best for our life, not only for eternity, but for here and now. Now, we have talked about the apparent examples, Dad, where we can see that God's instructions are for our best interest. But we have to extrapolate then. And we have to understand that sometimes we're not going to be able to understand God's instructions, how they could be for our best interest. But we need to have the faith that they are because we understand that God's instructions are for our own good always and that all of the examples we've given are examples of that fact. Then when we come upon a command that doesn't seem like it's in our best interest, it may not be apparent in how it will be for our best interest, but we need to have faith in God that it is in our best interest and we need to obey it. Exactly right. And and also, I think uh, I think. 
in one of those emails we read just a minute ago, it was pointed out that this is not a guarantee. I mean, God has made no promise that our life is going to be perfectly free of trouble and and turmoil because we know that some of God's most faithful people, with the ultimate example being Jesus, suffered intense persecution and, and real suffered real uh, terrible hardships and even death. But they still demonstrate the principle we're setting forth is that God's plan is best no matter what. That's right. In Jeremiah chapter 10, verse 23, we read, O Lord, I know that the way of man is not in himself. It is not in man that walketh to direct his steps, Dad. And if we try to direct our own steps, pain and misery is certain to follow. We may need to submit our will to the will of the Father, do his will, and be blessed here and now and in eternity as a result. Thank you for your discussion tonight. Thanks for the study. Thanks for all who participated. And uh, make it a a regular Thursday night appointment. Uh, Plan to join us next week, Lord willing, for the virtual Bible study. Be back here next week. And in the meantime, we encourage you to put God first in your life, study his inspired word, the Bible, and live by it every day. You'll never regret it. Thanks for listening to the virtual Bible study brought to you by the College View Church of Christ. The College View Church of Christ meets at 1618 Hampshire Pike in Columbia, Tennessee. If you are in the Columbia, Tennessee area, we encourage you to worship with the College View Church of Christ on Sunday mornings at 930 and on Sunday evenings at 6 o'clock. The College View Church of Christ also welcomes you to attend their Wednesday night Bible studies at 7 o'clock. If you have any questions about something that was said on tonight's broadcast or would like more information about the College View Church of Christ, please call 931-381-4567. That number again, 931-381-4567. Or for more information on the internet, visit collegeview.com. Be sure to tune into the virtual Bible study this time next Thursday for another informative study of God's Word.